Stop the gardening. Stop mowing the lawn. It's time for episode number 67 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. And today we're going to talk about redefining yourself after divorce. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoy. All right, welcome to this episode of the show. I'm your host, Jason Lavoy, aka the Divorce Resource Guy. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get all new episodes when they come out. Today, my guest, and I'm so proud to have her on, is Paulette Rigo. She is a certified divorce coach. She's a careerist and a mediator. Now, it is Paulette's personal experience and expertise that makes her strive to create a better way to divorce from the early stage of contemplation to the necessary final steps of healing using practical tools, inspiration, and a proven mediation negotiation model. She's committed to saving her clients time, money, and relationships and heartache and changing the landscape and outcome of the divorce journey for every member of the family, particularly the children. So we are going to talk about redefining yourself after divorce, what that means from all different aspects, including financial aspects. And let's get right to it, folks. Let me introduce to you Paulette Rigo. Paulina, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate the invitation. No, of course. Um, so we got we got a lot to talk about, and as usual, not a lot of time to talk about it, but we'll try to crunch it all in. The way I usually get started is I ask people, um, in case people who are listening are not familiar with who you are, who are you? <laughs> and, and how did you get to this point in your life? Hmm. Well, my name is Paulette Rigo. I'm originally from Boston. I lived in Belize for three years, and now I relocated just south of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, if you and I were to have met, um, you know, long time ago, Jason, I would never have dreamed uh, that uh, the, you and I would be having this conversation. It would have been uh, a, a deer in the headlight look, right? Like what? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, um, I grew up in a ballet studio. I wanted to be Jane Pauley. I went to college for journalism. I had absolutely no interest in being an attorney, being a mediator, you know, anything having to do with being in a courtroom. The whole idea just seemed so foreign to me. I remember watching all those courtroom dramas on TV as a kid and changing the channel. It oh. just didn't interest me, you know, um, but now that I've, um, endured what I have, it does interest me. Not that I'm an attorney, didn't mean to lead you on everyone, but so I, uh, like many people, um, like many women, I can't speak for men, but I think men too, you know, on our list of things we think we want to accomplish in life is to be in a fulfilling relationship and to get married and to have sure. children. And, you know, that long list of things that we do and check, check, check. And, um, got married young, probably, or definitely a lot younger than I would suggest, knock on wood, everyone, but, you know, 17, I met him, 22, 23, that summer got married. And before I knew it, I realized like, whoa, you know, well, that was quick. Um, although it was after five years of college, but 
it, it still seemed, I, I knew that I was ill-prepared and many years into the journey realized that much of the relationship just didn't feel like a good fit. And I only mention that now going back to growing up in a ballet studio, much of that didn't feel like a good fit either. Uh, the performing arts studio that my mother ran was a family business. And before I knew it, I was in my tutu, uh, either uh, chasse, pas de bray, glissade, pas de shying for the oh, hey. dancers out there, <laughs> or, you know, doing time steps or just loving dance. But 20 years into it at the age of 37, realized that I was running a dance studio in the family business. And it really wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, it wasn't that I didn't like dance. It just wasn't my passion. I wanted to be Jane Polly, right? I wanted to be a journalist. And it's funny how life just falls in your lap, not always the way you planned it. Right. So, um, marriage and I think relationships are much like that too. You meet, there's chemistry, there's a connection, you date, you fall in love, and you realize this is going to be perfect. And we don't have a plan B or a plan C or D or anything else. We just, you know, get the dress and the, the fancy wedding and it's all just supposed to be perfect. And much of it was wonderful and beautiful and, and it produced three amazing kids. But 20 years into it, realized like, oh my, what was I thinking? So I um, eventually, after you know much self-discovery and, and after leaving the performing arts world and many other careers between that point and now, uh, started a career uh, mostly about wellness and uh, birth doula, macrobiotic cook, Ayurvedic consultant, yoga teacher, trainer, and really shifted from performing arts to wellness. And that shift helped me realize that there was more to the exterior was less than what was going on inside. And this isn't to um, rank on the dancers out there, but it's much more like a performing art. I mean, think of the name of it. You're performing, right? right? Like, which maybe implies that you're not being so genuine, right? But it's a little bit of an act and acting and singing and dancing and art and performing arts are, you know, beautiful. I, I love performing arts, but there's a little bit of the show must go on. Never let them see you sweat, break a leg. Uh, you know, you all, I remember being taught like, make it look easy. Just keep, you know, if you have a blister, so what? Just, what was it? Be a trooper. And, you know, that's yeah. much of what dance and, and sports even, right? Or a lot about that. And Take one for the team. Take one for the team, Jason. Right, exactly. So, but that's not really what, how you want to live your life. And particularly in marriage, you know, marriage isn't about taking one for the team every day. It's about communication and connection and, and unconditional obviously love, but a sense of really feeling a sense of belonging. And uh, so, but I was so used to that. I thought, oh, maybe it's supposed to be like this. I don't know. It, it felt like, well, maybe I should just break a leg for this too. And what I realized was that I was just once again, sort of going through the motions and not that I was miserable the whole time. And, but it was just a matter of really feeling like this really doesn't belong to me. Well, I did eventually file for divorce and it turned into a very long uh, procedure. Uh, unfortunately, um, 
you know, 3% of divorce cases go to trial right. and only 1% of divorce cases go through the trial and then to the appellant process. Well, lucky me, you're looking at her. I'm the 1%. So it was an eight and a half year ordeal. It, it was a 12 day trial that took place over nine months, which it's I know not a uncommon, lot of people, folks. I know a lot of people think, oh, 12 day trial. It's just 12 days. Right. Well, uh, no. And, you know, silly me, I really was so green and raw and naive and trusting that I was under the impression that all divorces went to trial. I just didn't know that there was an option. You know, I'd heard about the word mediation battered around a little bit, but I soon learned that if the financial statements and the confidentiality issues and didn't even know that you didn't have to have a confidentiality agreement, but I just thought that was part of the, um, the protocol, right? But I soon learned that I was the unicorn, that it was an, an unusual situation. And then after the decision was made after the trial and the deliberation and the agreement and the judge's um, decision, it, there was a four-year appellant process. So let's just say I got schooled in divorce. And because of that- Unwillingly. Like, yeah. I, yeah, schooled, I know, which is you know not a great term sometimes, but- I really feel like even though I have my my bachelor's in journalism and communication, I have my PhD in divorce, not law, but in divorce. So I founded Better Divorce Academy, wrote a, and authored a book, Better Divorce Blueprint. And um, as a mediator and a divorce coach, I help couples, singles, men and women navigate the journey, stay in control, divorce with dignity, and try to stay out of court and really create the next chapter of their life that is perhaps one that they want and deserve and desire. Yeah. So you've had a pretty boring life is what you're saying. Pretty damn boring. Okay. There, there you have it, folks. See you next time. <laughs> Just, you got to laugh, right? You got to laugh. Um, and, and for those who don't know, when um, we were talking about the appellate process, that is in any court system um divorce is no different when if you go through a trial and the judge issues a verdict uh you know um or your decree divorce decree that if you're not happy with that and most people are not if it goes to a trial um you can appeal the judge's decision and that you go through the appellate court system for that it's a it's an entirely different system of the courts um it, it's extremely time consuming as you know, and, and expensive and not fun. And so, you know, you truly are a one percenter in divorce world um, for just going through a trial. Um, but then to go through the appellate process, truly, uh, it, it's not common. And I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody as a lawyer speaking. Um, as a lawyer, I hated uh, dealing with that. And unfortunately, I, I did. And I think we spoke, you know, off the show a couple of days ago about how your situation reminded me of my one of the cases I had when I was uh, practicing as a divorce attorney. Um, and it just, it, it, this, I represented the wife and the husband appealed every decision the judge made, he would appeal it. And it, it was just, it, it made you want to, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if subconsciously that was a catalyst for me deciding to quit <laughs> practicing divorce law. Very well could have been, but um, so we don't wish that on anybody and staying out of the court system is advantageous, but um, 
it takes two to tango. And, and, and so, you know, we can only control us, right? We can't control somebody else. And so if that person is in, intent on going, going to court, going to a trial, unfortunately, there's not too much we can do to stop that. Um, but it's just unfortunate for everybody involved, you know? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate your um, the compassion uh, and um, professional uh, opinion, because again, I, I thought it was normal. And I do know now, you know, doing this work professionally, that there are many reasons to need to go back to court. It's not like court's bad, don't get me wrong. If you need enforcement or compliance or there's a contempt issue or you need a modification, even if it's temporary, there, you know, there's purpose in going to court. So sure. I, I don't want people to think that court is necessarily a bad experience. It can, there's reason the courts exist to protect the, and uh, serve and to um, adhere to the laws. So, but you do really um, learn so much about the fact that it is an exhausting, expensive um very protocol uh, experience and it changes every aspect of your life when you go through something as lengthy and as uh, expensive and um, really eye-opening in one way. It, it teaches you to be resilient and wise. I can think of all the positive attributes that I've gained from such a unique experience, but man, just like you said, Jason, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And, and, and come on now, I can think of some better ways to get wise and, and learn resiliency, right? <laughs> there has to be better ways than going to court. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I sometimes have you have to. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not an ideal situation. You know, I know you and I both are proponents of the alternatives in every aspect. You know, if you can have that honest, uh, transparent, uh, forward-moving conversation to keep the process healthy and uh, mutually respectful, then please listen to us and do it. <laughs> yeah, and but but it takes two. And, and so that's it. If you, if you can't get both people on the same page with the same goal, and yeah. um, then, then that's where the problems and that's where you end up in court most of the time. So there you have it, everybody. But we're going to talk about something that isn't talked about enough I don't think. And I think you agree with me on that. And, and that is, yeah, going through a divorce, there's a lot to do, um, especially a contested divorce, but then, and you're so focused on it when you're, when you're in the minutia of the day to day, right. Um, down in the trenches of the divorce itself. But then one day, whether it's in court or you sign an agreement yourselves amicably, it's over. And then it's like, you go home and it, and you have your divorce decree in your hand. And I used to say as an attorney, you know, put that up on the refrigerator because in New Jersey, they would give you a real a gold sticker on it. <laughs> you got an A on a report. Um, and I said, put it up on the refrigerator and have a drink, you know, or celebrate in any way that you see, you think is healthy. But, you know, and then the question is, okay, but now what? Hmm. Right. And, and that, that question isn't always focused on during the process. Yes, more than you possibly know, it's majority of the process of divorcing is focused on the contemplation, the organization, the research, the preparation, and all of the, you know, 
adhering to the um, the format, the protocol, the rules, right? Yeah. The rules, right? And and so you've got stage one. You've, you've tried to save the marriage. Maybe you couldn't do that. So now there's been all this thought and and preparation. And then one of the two parties files, and one party's the defendant. One is the plaintiff, which I think needs to change. Maybe we could just call party A and B, but right. just anytime you hear the word defendant, you're like, uh-oh, what did I do? Or even plaintiff. It's it's scary. You know, you're like, what do you mean I'm a plaintiff? I just, I just want out, you know? <laughs> so then you go through the process and whether that be even DIYing it all the way to what I went through, there's the journey. There's that middle process, but then you're divorced. And you've put your decree on the refrigerator with the gold sticker, and you've had a glass of wine or a martini or a Kool-Aid or whatever you drink. Shirley Temple. Uh, Shirley Temple. And and you're and you're literally alone, usually, or at least temporarily. Um, life is different, and all the old labels are gone. So the label of wife or husband or sister-in-law or brother-in-law. And daughter-in-law, son-in-law, uh, all of those those old labels are just vanished, right. and you're no longer, uh, you know, seen as this um, a member of a family. It's just now there's two separate uh, parties or entities, and life is very different, and the rules are different, like holidays and birthdays and just like, should I still send them a card? And, you know, not to say that we don't want to remain friends with our ex spouse's family, but we don't just marry a person. You marry right. a family and you create relationships and traditions and routines. And, you know, you fall in love with your nieces and your nephews and your, their cousins. And, and you've got this whole clan and all of a sudden, gone. And it just feels really strange. The rules are different and you need to shift into a place of feeling comfortable living with uncertainty and discomfort. It's unnerving when the old patterns, and maybe you've only been married a year, maybe it's been 30, but within no time you find yourself living in a different paradigm. And it feels like you're either treading water and you can't move forward because you're stuck in the old labels or traditions or history, but it is really time to step into the new person that you're going to be. And it starts with being open to redefining yourself. Who are you now? Because the old labels are gone. Well, you know, it's not like you wake woke up in the morning and you're just suddenly a different person, but much of you feels different. And that discomfort is unsettling to many people. In fact, it's one of the reasons many people jump into dating and a new relationship really quickly because they're so used to being in a coupled situation. Um, and just really starting to ask yourself, who do I want to be moving forward? Just starting with that question alone and reestablishing um, a connection to self and 
redefining what your core values are. When you marry, all of a sudden, it's like a collective of values. This is how we're going to live and behave and function and save money or spend money or, you know, parent or vacation or argue or whatever it is. But now it's just you and you don't have to like follow somebody else's guidelines which makes people nervous. People don't typically like to be still. Uh, just learning to be still is hard and stepping off the spinning wheel of overthinking, like getting stuck in like the first uh, anniversary and all the holidays and you know, your, it's his birthday or her birthday or your mother-in-law's whatever. And, you know, Thanksgiving and where are you going to go? Everything just seems so incredibly awkward. So that's the first place I like to start when I work with clients is allowing them to just sit in what was, who they are now and start to create their new chapter, which I think is super exciting. You know, it's a little bit of a cliche of like, it's an opportunity. Um, But it is. It is. It, yeah. it really it's like a blank slate. I, I, I kind of describe it as getting divorced is really a second chance to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Whether it's work, you know, meeting somebody perhaps a little bit better suited for you, you know, healthy relationships. What it's a blank slate. And but you have to now. And I and I and I loved how you you kind of frame that whole position. But I, I almost think of it as you have to be comfortable, learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes, very. And what do people do when they're uncomfortable? They turn on the television. They, you know, numb themselves out with shopping or prescription medication or drinking or gambling or online activities that probably are not so healthy and, you know, just kind of wasting time. And, it's not so productive. Sure. It's fun to zone out and watch a movie here and there and nothing wrong with all that, but when it becomes habituated and the norm, when you're just sort of uh, wasting time for wasting time's sake, uh, it's normally to avoid discomfort and everything about your new life is going to feel slightly uncomfortable going to dinner by yourself or, cooking by yourself or just taking responsibility for things that your partner did for you or with you. And, and part of that can be sad and just feeling those feelings of sadness and loss, which is part of the process of healing. But yet once you start to feel like, wow, I can stay up late if I want, or, you know, I can, I can listen to the TV louder than usual, or, (laughs) uh, you know, just being free to kind of be with yourself and and being mindful of everything and not rushing through every activity. Even something as simple as like creating a meal or brushing your teeth can really be an opportunity to be more aware of what you like buying the right the toothpaste that you want to buy instead of the toothpaste that your spouse prefers and squeezing from the top of the tube instead of the bottom of the tube there you go (laughs) right and just being much more aware of that conscious decision versus automatic pilot where you just jump back into the norm because it's what you know now when in your opinion is the best 
time to like start this process because the way you're describing it, and I would agree a hundred percent is that this is not an overnight thing, right? Figuring out the new you, how to, how to navigate the, the post-divorce waters, um, by yourself or, or with somebody, but it's, it's all new. So when does that like mentally, when do you start or when do you suggest people start working on that or thinking about it? Is it after the divorce or is it before your divorce is over? Much of it depends on if you're still cohabitating, you know, there's a sense of comfort when you're in a marital home and you're going through the procedure of divorce, but yet you're still cohabitating when you're co-parenting now. And of course, that's a whole nother podcast, but co-parenting doesn't start when the, the day you're divorced. It starts the day you guys decide to divorce. And that decision is a matter of creating a new role and a new schedule and not always doing everything together, but doing it together, but separately. And it's much the same when you start to recreate yourself from being a married partner to a separate person. The best time when it starts as soon as you can start to create your finances separately, when you can reestablish a checking account, a savings account, credit in your own name, maybe um, simple things like starting to vacation separately and just make slow decisions about not seeing everything as the way it used to be, but now how do I want to transition it? Getting out a calendar and doing the whole year's planning of how life is going to be different this year now that I'm single or going through the divorce journey is a little overwhelming and not so practical. I I usually suggest that they take it one baby step at a time and that sometimes will start with something as simple as cleaning out their closet because they maybe don't wear the same clothes that they used to. You know, there's a really funny cartoon of like the shoes that we wear when we go through life. And of course, the first one is a barefoot when you're a baby. And then they're like a pair of kid shoes or sneakers. And then it starts off with like, a low heel and then a high heel when you're dating. <laughs> this of course is for women guys. And then flex, right? Right? <laughs> right. And then you get married and your shoe, your heel gets shorter and then you're pregnant. And I think you're back to sneakers. Um, and then you get divorced and you're back to the stiletto heels again, you know? So it's no, just sort of funny. I know it's a little bit of a sarcastic satire humor there, but you just get to recreate every aspect of yourself. And that begins with, what you buy, what you wear, who you hang out with, the priorities you have, even your language, the music you listen to, how you spend money, how you save money, who you hang out with. It's a lot to undertake. Just reconnecting and reevaluating what in your life did work. And you want to hold on to that? This isn't throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Like we're not just, you know, exfoliating and getting rid of every aspect of who and what you ever were. Although it's pretty damn common to see people lose significant amount of weight, right? Or they just change their job or their hair color. Right. Their appearance changes even slightly. Right. 
Yeah. Because that's part of the funny. new you, the, the post-divorce you. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it. I've seen people, a few people go over the deep end with cosmetic surgery, jumping into dating too quickly. I've seen other people get remarried very quickly, uh, maybe get a little bit too adventurous, um, maybe be a little reckless with their finances. And yeah, with anything, there's extremes, unhealthy extremes. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about a refresher. Exactly. Like a, a lion spritzer. <laughs> so, wow. See, time to be cliche, and I'll get on the cliche. The later in the day it gets, the more cliche I get. But, uh, you know, since we're, we're running out of, of time here, and I could talk to you for hours, but and I'll definitely have you on again because there's so many things to, to talk about. But what would be some, I'll say three, if you can come up with three, three main tips just to put you on the spot, um, that you would give to people um, to help them kind of plan or get off on the right foot in their post-divorce life? Mm. Well, number one, get a budget. Like really stick to it. If you don't know what you have financially, what's going out and what's coming in, the rest of the picture could be bleak messy, ugly, and uh, not so easy. So I would start with making sure you get a clear picture of your finances and maybe even going on a spending um, halt for a bit. You know, those those little like, oh, that is cute. I need that. Or like, we really don't. No Amazon. Simple. Minimalism, minimalism post-divorce is a really healthy thing. Uh, Number two would be to really begin to assess your health, uh, perhaps get a physical, get a baseline for where you are with your uh, triglycerides and your blood work and your weight and just what's, what's, it's about a lot of it depends on your age too, you know, like at what point, but knowing that you are healthy and well, and you're on the right track for either fixing a few things or improving, um, that is also going to make sure that the next chapter is really secure. So if your money's in order and your finances and your health is in order, then you've got a really strong foundation in which to do anything. The sky's the limit. You can really start to play with adventures and freedom, know that the future is yours, and play with any new possibilities of love, career, travel, moving, parenting, whatever you need to do or want to do as we started this conversation about opportunities and possibilities and redefining yourself and reevaluating who you are and what's important to you. That's my start. That's a good start. And I'm glad you mentioned um, physical health because a lot of people kind of overlook that and it's not, you know, verbalized uh, enough. So I, I'm so glad that you mentioned it because it is super important, um, not just after a divorce, but in general, but after a divorce, especially if you maybe have developed some 
unhealthy habits during the divorce to cope, which, you know, listen, we're all human. Nobody's judging, but now's the time to like restart. And if you're restarting with a blank slate, restart with a healthy body and at least find out if anything's going on that needs to be addressed. And if so, now would be the great time to address it. Yeah. I mean, I see the most unhealthy coping mechanisms, processed foods, living on Oreos and tequila, you know, not getting fresh air and sunshine and walking and even engaging in, in um, enlightening conversations, learning, keeping your mind vibrant. Uh, I used to always laugh at my father, but he was a lover of crossword puzzles. And, um, you know, he goes, it's just to keep my mind sharp, but it's true. I'm not a fan of crossword puzzles. I do other things to keep my mind sharp, but whatever you get, you know, so reading and and studying, maybe you want to go to adult education or just, it is a time to readdress and reevaluate your health in my opinion, first, I know the finances are important too, but I see those patterns that are incredibly difficult to break, Uh, you know, just eating out all the time, living on beer and pizza, you know, whatever, you know, nothing wrong with that. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not seven days a week. And (laughs) and just seeing that, like, yeah. Um, wanting to really know that, okay, whether you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, that if you're not healthy and you don't have your finances in check, that the rest of it is just going to go to heck. Yeah. It's all built on each other and um, at the bottom of the pyramid. And if it it crumbles, the whole thing comes down. So nobody Isn't that one of the reasons, Jason, that people divorce in the first place, that there's something wrong. There's something unhealthy mentally, emotionally, psychologically, financially, uh, spiritually, physically, sexually, you name it. Like every aspect of the relationship, let's hope you don't have all seven of them, but there's something missing. And now is your opportunity to kind of re-pivot and readjust that aspect of what wasn't fitting so that you can Tetris your life a little bit clearer. Yes. Um, Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I I couldn't agree with you more. So listen, everybody, listen to what we are saying (laughs) (laughs) with authority. (laughs) Well, this has been absolutely great poet. Um, and again, I could talk to you for hours, but unfortunately we are out of time for today, but tell everybody before we go where they can find you. The best and easiest place, betterdivorceacademy.com. It's a website, a resource. There are my podcast is there. I'm on clubhouse Wednesdays at seven Sundays at eight, my book, better divorce blueprint. It's a 307 page book and a 198 page workbook. And it's all available on my website. So awesome. So I encourage everybody to go check it out. Um, because if you haven't figured it out, she knows what she's talking about. That's why I had her on the podcast. So thank you so much, Paulette, for being on the show. It was extremely beneficial. Um, for everybody. And, um, you know, instead of sending me your headshot for the show notes, send me a picture of you in that tutu when you were little. (laughs) (laughs) I will. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And now you know the importance of being financially sound and prepared to live that post-divorce life that you are dreaming of and deserve. So stay tuned for the next episode coming out shortly. 
Always a new guest and new topics to discuss about divorce. But most importantly, if you are looking for personal help with your divorce, check out my website, jasonlavoy.com. I offer one-on-one and group coaching programs to fit any need and your resources. So please check it out. You can always email me, jason at jasonlavoy.com with any questions about anything. I'll be happy to reach out. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon. Thank you.